Now that'll give you goosebumps. Of course, I'm a very jealous individual, so if you don't give me a standing ovation when this sermon's over. I, uh, I, I joked in this, the first service, each, uh, each service tonight, 4, 6, and 8, 8 o'clock has a different bulletin. Some of you said, how come there's no 8 o'clock here? But um, each, uh, each service has a lot of things that are very similar, and each has their own um, unique and um, special music involved. And uh, that, um, you got it here at 6, that blessing, um, don't tell them at 4, they didn't get to hear that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but they, did, they did have the kids sing, and that was a wonderful gift as well. And, uh, you know, each service, the, the, the rhythm of the night generally is, is an, even as I look out uh, this evening at, at 4 o'clock, that's when we have m- the most kids in our worship service. And then at 6, there's some, I see some of the kids here, and at 8 o'clock, you know, we'll have a few as well. But, um, you know, it reminded me, I remember... Being, you know, eight, nine, ten years old and Christmas Eve services were always such a joy. And, and I can remember sitting out there and we'd get to the time of this time in the worship service. And my father, who was the pastor, would stand up. And I remember looking at him and that was my dad up there. And all I could think is, keep it short. Because, uh, <laughs> because there's a restlessness to Christmas Eve. And the kids capture that. Now, here's the thing. See, here's what I know. Here's what I know, that some of the kids right now, that's exactly what they're thinking. But before you get there ahead of me, I know some of you adults are thinking the same thing. So, um, but, but there's a, a wonderful restlessness to the night. Uh, I, you know, when, when Ryan and Cassie were, were young and uh, younger, uh, you know, it was the easiest night of the year to get them to go to bed because they're so anxious for tomorrow. And that energy that they bring, and, and the kids that are here tonight, and parents, don't worry about that restlessness. That's a wonderful restlessness for us to feel tonight and experience um, as we worship together and get to kind of live vicariously through their eyes. And, and I hope some of your own excitement and joy. And so as we, uh, as we approach that and, and experience that tonight, let's, let's just begin this time with a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray. Gracious Lord, speak into our hearts in these moments as we've heard the story, as we've worshiped in music, empower us with the joy of Christmas and that comes through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Bless these words in our meditations of each of our hearts to your glory. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. So speaking of children, how many of you as kids um, wrote letters to Santa? How many of you? did that. All right, a few, a few of your hands. Now, most of the hands that I see that went up, um, like, like me, we, there was one way that we could write a letter to Santa. There was only one way to do it back in the day. You had to take out the piece of paper. You had to write the letter. You had to fold it up. You had to stick it in the envelope. You had to address it to Mr. C, North Pole. And maybe your parents gave you a stamp and you took it to the post office or you took it to a special drop box or you gave it to your parents or grandparents or whoever, trusting that they would see that it was properly delivered. But that's the way that that we wrote letters as kids to Santa. Uh, Nowadays, kids have a much more direct line to the North Pole. They can do it online. They can do it on their computers. And, and I, I asked, there was a few hands of kids in the service, maybe a few here, that have done it this way. But there's a website. I'm sure there's a bunch. But there's one called emailsanta.com. The kids can go on and they can write their letters to Santa and they get 
they get an instant reply, um, you know, and, and it's a lot of fun for the kids. But, but I stumbled upon that. They receive over a million letters a year from kids around the world. And uh, they, they shared some of the letters that they receive. And, and I thought this would be a fun way tonight to open these moments. Um, these are some of the letters that, that emailsanta.com has received. This is from John, aged four. Dear Santa, I'm sorry, but I don't have a chimney. I'll leave the cat flap unlocked for you. <laughs> but please watch out for the litter box. From Jenny, age eight. Dear Santa, do you have elves that help or elves that sit on the sofa all day long? I wonder what Jenny sees at home. Um, Dear Santa, Mommy and Daddy say I have not been very good these past few days. How bad can I be before I lose my presence? <laughs> Christian, age seven. And let me um, stress, I think many adult Christians have asked that same question from time to time. From Mackenzie, age 11. Dear Santa, did you really run over my grandma? <laughs> this is my favorite letter from Bree age seven. Dear Santa, I'm sorry for putting all that X-lax in your milk last year, but I wasn't sure if you were real. My dad was really mad. Dear Santa, thank you for the remote control car last year. Even though it broke the day after Christmas, I know you tried, and that's what counts. <laughs> Alex, AJ, then the last one from Roseanne, age 11. Dear Santa, do you know Jesus is the real reason for Christmas? Not to be mean, but he is. And... And it's Roseanne's, Rosanna's thoughts that I want to just focus on for a few moments because that's the truth of this celebration for us. Not for everybody. We don't impose our faith on others, but for those who believe, for those who have some semblance of faith, for those who have trusted their lives in the way of Christ, Jesus is the holy in the holiday. Jesus is, is the centerpiece of, of why this time of year means so much for us. Not to diminish gift-giving, not to diminish the celebrations, the family gatherings, the traditions, the way that we celebrate, the memories that we have. But we know for us, I called it the key ingredient, because each week in Advent we've talked about the ingredients of figuratively, of a, of a holy Christmas. Ingredients like excitement, preparation, joy. But for us all come back to the center figure, the centerpiece, if you will. And that's Jesus. The reason that this holy day exists, the reason that we gather, the reason that we're here tonight, and that Christians around the world celebrate together this December 25th. He's the centerpiece. In front of us here, 
is a nativity. I don't know if you've had a chance over the weeks to, to kind of walk down here and see. This is a, a beautiful nat nativity. It's been handmade uh, many years ago. It's kind of one of the, the treasures of the church. And every Christmas, uh, this gets displayed somewhere. And it's not unlike many of the nativities you see in our, in our homes. Maybe you have one in your home, or maybe you have one set up on your lawn if you're a Christmas lights and decorations kind of person. But, but I started to think about this. And, you know, let, let's say for a moment that you were um, looking for a nativity. Say you wanted one for your house, and you'd been looking all over the place, and, and you came up, and we were talking, and, and you were admiring these pieces and um, just the, the, the craftsmanship that's gone into them. And and you're looking at it like I would and think this, this nativity would probably be hundreds of dollars if you were to buy one like this. And you commented to me how much you liked it. And I said, you know what? I'll sell it to you. You need a nativity. I'll sell it to you. You might start thinking, well, what's the offer going to be? How many hundreds of dollars would it cost? But I looked at you and said, no, I'll sell it to you for 20 bucks. For 20 bucks, I'm going to sell you this beautiful Nativity. Now, most of us, if we were in the market, if we wanted one, would probably jump at that opportunity. It's gorgeous. 20 bucks. You'd think I was out of my mind. But before you bought it, I'd say, well, wait a minute. There is one little caveat, one minor thing. In this nativity, for $20 that I'm willing to sell you, this piece, the manger, Jesus, the baby, the infant, I'm keeping this piece. You can have everything else. You can have all these dozens of pieces. You can have the, 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 the stable. But, but Jesus, I'm, I'm going to keep Jesus. I wonder, even for 20 bucks, how many of us would go, no deal. No deal. Because you've kept the most important piece. You've, you've kept the center. I mean, we can get away with a few other... I, I could keep... A, a cow or a, a goat, that would be no big deal. You could do without that. And, and you might think, well, I could do without a, a shepherd. There's a few of them. And, and even the wise men, uh, you can keep one of those. I know there's three in the nativity, but we know that the Bible doesn't really tell us how many were there. So, so you can keep one of those. I can get away without those pieces. And even Mary and Joseph, as significant as they are, uh, maybe I can substitute a shepherd for Joseph if need be. You can keep that. Mary certainly would be missing, but, but Jesus, when you take away the manger, you take away the scene. You take away the significance. You take the reason for it to exist at all. There's no nativity. There's no celebration without Jesus. And we just, we sometimes need to remember that. It's a simple truth. We just need to remember as Jesus is the centerpiece of the nativity, God invites him to be the centerpiece of our lives, to be and to experience what John calls the true light that has come into the world. It, it's wonderful in so many symbolic ways that, that December is the time of year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And not to, to burst any bubbles, I think most of us know that we don't know exactly when Jesus was born. In fact, we're pretty sure it wasn't December. It's probably in the spring. But the early church chose this time of the year to celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and it's wonderful because there's so much powerful sim symbolism this time of year. We're in the darkest part of the year. Just a few days ago, 
we celebrated, yeah, I hear it too. Uh, we celebrated the, the winter solstice. Or we didn't celebrate it. We recognized. We had it. Shortest amount of light in the course of the day. Today, in parish, we had 10 hours and 22 minutes of daylight. 13 hours and 38 minutes of darkness. And the more north we go, the less light we have. It's a time when, when some of us, I don't know about you, but, but Tony and I talk about this, we kind of feel the weight of the loss of, of light. You know, Tony and I talk at home. We, I, I hate sunsets at 540 at night. And it, just, it just feels heavier. And into this time of year, we celebrate light. We celebrate the light of life which God has offered to us. We celebrate the opportunity to receive the gift of God's unconditional love and grace. And we celebrate that not just through the recognition of a birth. It's not about the baby, but it's about the man he would become, the example he would give, the life he would lay down, and the resurrection that we would experience through him, the promise of life. It's about hope. You know, that's, that's what this night means for us. It's hope. As we talk about peace and we talk about love and we talk about joy, it is encapsulated in our belief and our trust that in the birth of Christ, we receive the gift of hope that God has not forgotten us, that God has come to be with us, and that God has made some promises that we can claim tonight. It's the hope of Christmas. You know, Isaiah spoke his prophecy that was read tonight 700 years before Jesus was born. But make no mistake, he was talking about Jesus. He was talking about the one that was to come, the child that would be born, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we're invited to receive that peace. We're invited to receive that and to trust in that as an external promise. The promise that Jesus says that one day, the glimpses of the kingdom, you know, we get glimpses in life and in our journey together when we see the best of what we were created to be. We get glimpses when we see relationships restored and healing happens and, and we see peace break out in places that were once ravaged by hatred and anger. We just don't see it enough. But Isaiah said that the one that comes, his kingdom will be evidenced by peace. Jesus says to us, I have come to speak peace into your lives. Paul says, it's the peace that passes understanding. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. It's different. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. We're invited to receive that, to receive the hope of Christmas. We're invited to receive the promise that in Christ, we are given a new identity. That in Christ we receive a, a gift. And that gift says to you and says to me that no longer is your life defined by your mistakes. No longer does sin rule. No longer do your scars and your mistakes and your wounds and your brokenness, no longer does that define who you are and your worth. But John says, the very beginning, that to those who believed, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. We are given new identity. We're given new promise. We're given the, the, the understanding that God has not abandoned us. And in a world that is so full of brokenness, that one day things will be made right. The kingdom that we see in part will one day be established in full. And someday it will not matter whether we 
are rich or poor. It will not matter whether we are black or white, whether we are native-born or whether we are immigrant. It will not matter, oh Lord, whether we are liberal or conservative. We will be one in Christ as the walls break down and the peace and the hope and the love breaks forth. We're invited to receive that hope. That's what this means. We need hope. And this story is all about hope because hope's what keeps us going what helps us face the new day, take the next step. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Eugene Land. Eugene Land uh, is a self-made millionaire. I'm not really sure what a self-made millionaire means, but he's got a lot of money. And in the early 80s, Eugene Land was invited to speak to a group of graduating sixth graders in Harlem, New York. And as he was talking with administrators before this graduation ceremony, they shared with him that of these sixth graders, that less than 50% of them would even graduate high school. Over 50% would drop out before they graduated. And of those 60-some-odd graduating sixth graders, less than six of them, 10%, would ever go on to college. And this troubled Eugene Land, and it bothered him. And so, in an act of kind of spontaneity, he looked at these kids, and he said, I'm going to make you a promise. If you graduate high school, I will pay for your college tuition. I will pay for your college tuition. And then he went on, and he kind of forgot about his promise. Not that he would renege on it, but he just didn't think much about it until a few years later when he was contacted again by the administrators of that school. And in a school where less than 50% graduate and less than 10% go to college, 90% of those sixth graders graduated high school. And 90% went on to college. And Eugene Land paid for it. And if you asked them why, they would tell you. Because for the first time in their life, they had hope. There was a promise of a better future. There was possibility. There was potential. There was somebody who stepped in who cared enough to to promise them that he would be there. Christmas is about God's promise that we have hope, that in our brokenness, God is there to heal. In our fear, God is there to calm. In our Sin, God is there to forgive and to offer relationship and hope and joy and peace and promise. Tomorrow morning is about the gifts we give. Tonight is about the gift that we receive. And that's the gift of Jesus. And so, in a moment, we're going to participate in ritual. That's what the candlelight service is. This is ritual. Many of us have done this every Christmas Eve for as long as we can remember. Some of you maybe are newer, or maybe this is your first time. But understand something. The candlelight service isn't done just because it looks pretty, and it does. And this room is beautiful in a few moments as it will light up, not with the artificial lights of electricity, but with the natural light of a flame. But the ritual means something to us. Because in a moment, I'm going to light a candle from that center candle. 
That center candle that reminds us of the love of Christ. That center candle which roots us in the key ingredient, the central piece of the story. And I'm going to light the candles of our ushers. And they're going to begin to move down the rows. And they're going to light your candles. And we are invited to receive in very symbolic, but it's also in very real ways to remember that we're invited to receive the light of life, true light that is Christ Jesus. And as that candle comes, it reminds us of a spiritual truth. It's an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace that we're invited to receive the hope of Christmas, which is Jesus, to put our trust in Him, to put our faith in Him, to experience the joy of Christmas. But... There's a second part to the ritual. And that is, what you receive, you're asked to share. If these ushers moved down the ends of each aisle and lit the candles, and each person sitting on the end who has their candle lit decided, I really like this. I'm going to keep it to myself. This would be a pitiful Christmas Eve candlelight service. (laughs) Because we need to share it. And so we do with the light of Christ that lives in us, we're invited to share it. I get a wonderful glimpse at this time of year to see the way people step up to share and to live. You know, there's so many people that say Christmas brings out the worst in people, and maybe it does, but you know what I see? I see when Christmas brings out the best and people that step into places of need to care and to to give and to share and and to to pour their, their resources so that others can feel the beauty and the wonder of Christmas. That's what I see. That's sharing the light that we're invited. So this is a two-step ritual, and it matters. We receive and we give. And with that, we remember first that Christ offers to come in, and then Christ seeks to live through. That's the hope we have at Christmas, to receive and to give. As we prepare our hearts for this special time of worship, brothers and sisters, I invite you to join me in prayer. Loving God, you have given far more than we deserve. You have given us your Son, Jesus. And as we have received, well, first, Lord, help us to receive. Maybe we haven't tonight. Maybe for us, this is just tradition. Maybe for us, the Christmas story really isn't about Jesus. But but tug on our hearts. Remind us that, that we don't find our hope in our presence. We don't find our hope in in empty ritual. We find it in Jesus, the promise of your presence with us now and forever, the light of life, the Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, wonderful Counselor, mighty God. That's our hope. Help us to receive that tonight and then to share that light, to live it and to let it flow, shine, reveal itself through us. That's our prayer. This holy season. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite our ushers forward. Every year, I give you the same invitation, the same instructions, I should say. And that is, as the candlelight makes its way around the room, The ushers will light the candles of those on the outside. And what we invite you to do is you pass the light, let the candle lit stay upright, and let the unlit candle dip into the lit candle. Um, That will save some um, wax surprises 
um, for you tonight as we pass it around the room, as we share it, and brothers and sisters, we're challenged to live it. I invite you to stand as we continue to worship now with the lighting of the candles and the singing of Silent Night.
The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word was Jesus, who is the light of life. John says, in a world of darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. Brothers and sisters, in a world of darkness, do not curse the darkness. In the power of Christ, become a light. Receive the light of Christ and let it shine through you. Go in his peace, his joy, his hope, and his love this Christmas. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, Merry Christmas.